Hello, Brad here. Just to say we're super proud that the Friday 5pm podcast is sponsored by the Malt Miller, the UK's best home brew store. We use the Malt Miller for all of our homebrew experiments, as well as tapping them up for advice and binging on their awesome YouTube channel all the time. That's why whenever we release a homebrew video, we put a recipe kit live on the Malt Miller, so you can brew with the exact same amazing ingredients that we did. The same ingredients used by pro brewers. So alongside the Malt Miller's nitro-flushed hops, cold-stored yeast and milled-to-order malts, you can pick up recipe kits for our Five Points Best Bitter, Russian River West Coast IPA, and now the fastest beer in the world, a hazy session IPA that goes from grain to glass in less than 48 hours. Sign up to their newsletter at tinyurl.com forward slash maltmiller to get 5% off your first order. With the Malt Miller's amazing customer service and Johnny's 48-hour recipe, you could order the ingredients on a Monday and be drinking the beer by the weekend. Speaking of which, it's Friday. It's 5pm. So enjoy this week's Friday 5pm podcast. Good afternoon, Big Geeks. It's Friday. It's 5pm. Hopefully you're having your first beer of the weekend. Uh, Brad and I have had quite a boozy week with a lot of filming, haven't we? Mate, we've we filmed what five videos this week and five I've, videos, five videos, and I've I've been drinking in pubs a couple of times this week as well. So yeah, my man, liver... your Instagram is crazy. You're you're all over the place. <laughs> I've I've barely been outside. Well, you are writing a book, uh, <laughs> which I'm not doing, and I've just finished <laughs> a big project. So on Wednesday, I just thought, you know what, I'm gonna have the day off, and I'm just gonna go and ride my bike. And go and hang out and and drink lovely Cascale in the sunshine. So that's what I did. But yeah, yeah man. interestingly, I'm at a chapter of my book where I'm writing about the issues of drinking Cascale in the sunshine because mm. of how quickly your pint warms from ten degrees to a very undrinkable fifteen or sixteen. So I'm talking about beer styles that maybe would um, survive the uh, the direct heat of the sun or perhaps the stool by the fire. Uh, right. best which has involved me going on to some very scientific websites that's going to make for some very dry copy unless i'm careful <laughs> blimey yeah i mean what i was were you drinking I, uh i had a i had some london pride um i was drinking some kernel uh pale and for my sins i did drink a little bit of guinness Ooh, so lovely. uh I had a had a bit of a mixed uh, mag. The place that I went just did particularly good Guinness. So uh, did did you go ice cold? I don't think they do ice cold. They're not a trendy pub. So um, ah. just... <laughs> I think it's the other way around. I think it's trendy not to serve ice cold now. Yeah, in that case, uh, I mean it's a great pub. So I don't think it was ice cold, but it was it was tasting great. Uh, yeah, I met an, I met an artist. I was the only. I went for a pint at eleven a.m. Johnny, which is obviously good a little bit Lord. concerning but I'd, I'd walked around a junk market uh all morning and then i was like right i'm gonna go for a pint and uh, there was only one other guy sat outside the place which is always a bit funny isn't it so anyway i got because it's 11 a.m yeah <laughs> i got a chance him he's a local artist like really great artist and um you know had lived quite a life so we were we were talking about um you know various various things sort of you know his his drug exploits over the years and sort of three day benders and going to different wacky clubs and all this sort of stuff. So it's highly entertaining. And is this um, why I didn't hear from you for three days? Because you joined him on one. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
no, 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 no. But it was great. It was great. But yeah, man, we filmed five videos this week, which is an insane amount of videos for sure. Yeah, I mean, we 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 even I think we talked briefly about Guinness in the episode we shot on Monday, uh, doing the "What Even Is Baltic Porter?" inspired Indeed. by our live show with Pahala. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we talked talked lots about dark beer and, and what a Baltic porter is. We won't we won't spoil what it is here, other than to say that all three of the ones we had were absolutely bloody delicious. Yeah, we, amazing. Um, we weren't even going to drink the last one because they're all pretty strong. Um, but then we're like, oh well, we'll film talking about it, and you know, if we want to, we'll put it in. And it was it was probably the best of the three. It was amazing, sensational stuff. Like I must say, I'm a, I'm quite a big fan of that style. I think they're really interesting beers obviously you're going to fall off your seat if you drink too much of them but um just great really quaffable for for the percentage just amazingly quaffable yeah sort of in that in that lager like double double bock from munich kind of tradition it's mm. it's beer that does not drink like it's eight percent um yeah. and gets you in a lot of trouble i think i don't know whether i published it because i can't remember whether it was too embarrassing but i definitely did a film at stark beer fest which is the the strong dark beer festival, sort of the winter version of Oktoberfest in Munich. I think I think it did go live. If it is if it is live, I'll put the link in the descriptions box. But yeah, that's where people are drinking liters of eight percent beer. Sorry, seven point nine. Let's not exaggerate, Johnny. Um, and I feel like Baltic Porter could do something very similar. It's um, maybe they should be called Danger Crispy Boys because <laughs> they've got that crispy quality that you just want to keep going. Bradley, um, Risky Boys. Come on, it was right there. Hey, Risky Boys. I like it. I like it. <laughs> yes, Risky Boys. That's a good one. Uh, um, so, yeah, we, we did Baltic <laughs> Porters. Uh, we've also done a little taste test traveling through the British Isles. Uh, well, mainland Britain, um, drinking spontaneous Lambic-style, uh, Gers-style beers. So we've got that mm. video coming out soon with some delicious and very rare beer. Um, and then um, what was the final one we did, Brad? I can't even well, remember. Well, we we, we did so uh, we did a video about um, Irish craft beer, which is very there cool. There we go. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, so that is coming out very soon. That's a sponsored video. So we've teamed up with Bod Beer, who are the food and drink board over in Ireland, to to sing about uh, the the glorious things happening over on the Emerald Isle. And we've been because we've been trying to visit there for ages, and eventually sort of went. It's not going to happen for a while. So let's let's find a solution. So we've got a cool concept there. And then obviously there's this week's upload. Yeah, man, the elephant in the room, as everyone <laughs> has been saying all over the t- Twitter sphere and the Instagram cesspool. Um, yeah, <laughs> it was. Um, yeah, my voice definitely got higher in that intro, didn't it? Because it was. We we undenied over whether we should do something about it because we tend to we try to mix. Um, mix up the serious and the less serious content on there but definitely vary towards the more like longer term issues the longer term um theories and the longer term styles in craft beer rather than being super reactionary but this one just it felt like although there was a big reaction to it right now everyone was either furious at cloudwater for going into supermarkets or super excited for the opportunities that it created both for cloudwater and for um rock leopard echo queer brewing and good karma um but actually it does have some really long-term implications about access to market about potential pricing of of you know big new england ipas that cost a lot to make 
um, and raised lots of questions, which we won't go into here. This is this is your weekend wind down. But if you haven't watched the video, please, please do, because it's particularly if you're in the UK, it's a big old question about the best way to both reach new customers of, uh, you know, of, of a diverse background. Um, but it has the potential negative effect of, of affecting those that have been there from the start and have been supporting these businesses. So it's it's an emotional debate, as the comments kind of showed. Hundred percent, mate. Like you say, we won't get too deep and heavy, but you know, we we, we wanted to present a quite balanced view on a, on a very sort of difficult and impassioned subject. Um, you know, Cloudwater, uh, they're gonna they're gonna get lots of hate for what they've done going into supermarkets, but at the end of the day, then it's not like they're the first people to have done it, and you know. In your article, you've gone into the reasons why why they've done it and, and all the rest of it. So um, let's, I guess, leave that to uh, people to discover for themselves. Yeah, I'll, I'll put a link to the Good Beer Hunting article I wrote, which is much more in-depth, um, in the descriptions box next to the video as well. But, uh, you know, I'm really keen to say that the comments that we got were, on the whole, absolutely brilliant. Like, so much engagement, so much awareness of the issues, so much support for everybody involved while being aware of the potential pitfalls of this. Um, and, you know, there, there were a couple of, um, I think they're called cunts, um, who came on and <laughs> accused uh, accused people of being woke and accused Cloudwater of whitewashing. And so, somebody even tried to claim that releasing the... <laughs> releasing the 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 collab box was sexist and racist um which was sure quite they, the stretch how they got to that yeah that's a weird one yeah. isn't it um so we 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 put those people down politely but mostly engaged with some some wonderful comments and brad you had one from Vinny, one of our patreons that we thought was, was yeah, a great man. example of why we did the vid yeah Vinny just said superbly balanced video gents supermarkets are where i generally get my core session beers from uh so he's talking jaipur jutes uh, Pilsner, Kell, etc., and to, uh, and go to my local independent for the special stuff I've come to love over the last four or five years. He says I easily spend four or five times the amount at the independents that I do in the supermarket on a monthly basis. Uh, but that's also my drinking habits evolving with time. I'm excited to try this pack and support the excellent smaller breweries who are getting a well-deserved boost in visibility. So, you know, I think that kind of sums up what we we were hoping, uh, you know, things like Cloudwater being in a supermarket might bring more people uh, that aren't drinking craft into craft. And, you know, like, obviously, Vinny is now five years in, but he's still like, you know, it's just it's it's kind of hard. You can't drink a daily. You can't have your daily beers be an eight pound can um from or from an eight percent can or an eight percent can so you got you know there is a space for your pills and kill your your jiper you know your cloud water uh whatever the main the main kind of like uh stalwarts um being at an affordable price um and hopefully it's a it's a gateway into um a bigger world and i think i said in the video you know like three pound on the door sort of a, a kind of analogy to you know clubbing or going out if you pay three pounds to get in somewhere that's that's affordable what paul's whole point was 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 that 
not everybody wants to go into independent bottle shops. Like I remember first going into them and it is intimidating as hell. You go in, there's 500 beers on offer. You don't know enough to even potentially ask the questions. Um, and add to that, you know, if you're from a different ethnic background or um, if you're really worried about the price point of all of this, you know, there's lots of little things that maybe we're not aware of that might put people off using independence. So giving them a stepping stone, giving them that supermarket is is really important, I think. Um, whereas Vinny's argument, you know, lots of people are saying, you know, nobody's going to go to independent shops anymore. I, I, there is no study into this, but I just don't buy that. Like, I think most of us are like Vinny. You know, when we do our weekly shops, we might pick up some of the cheaper stuff. But, you know, I go to an independent bottle shop probably probably twice a week. Yeah, I mean, it's a balance, isn't it? Like you say, um, you kind of, you're like, oh, yeah, those those look appealing. They're easy to get hold of. Um, I can get a four pack and that'll do me for a, a couple of couple of nights when I'm not sort of going too crazy. I just want to chill out and mong out and watch film or something. But then, you know, you're buying more sort of serious, exciting beers from an independent and uh, enjoying that sort of process. It's like going, you know, vinyl record shopping or something. You do, you know, yeah, we all going... listen to Spotify, but I'm still buying vinyl records. Exactly, exactly. It's similar, similar thing, man. Like, there's there's, <laughs> there's still going to be a, a space for it. And, I, you know, I mean, if I was an independent bottle shop, I would be pissed off. But, um, you know, it's, 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 a funny old, it's a funny old issue. And, uh, yeah. I mean, I was, I was chatting to, to a local bottle shop. I won't name them because, um, it was just a friendly personal discussion, but, um, they were saying that, you know, as a result of lots of these moves, they've just become more and more sure that the future of independent bottle shops has to include, um, having an on license because what it means is, you know, that that's going to increase the average spend every time somebody comes in, if they stick around for a beer. So it's creating a kind of, you know cafe bar slash bottle shop hybrid in these small spaces so a little bit like a micro pub but with a great beer fridge or lots of great beer fridges and i think i think that's definitely right you know we're working in a capitalist system and paul jones of cloudwater said this to me as well we're working in a capitalist system and we've got to work within it the best we can while demanding better and I think that, you know, bottle shops have every right to be pissed off, especially with the other stuff that Cloudwater have done uh, in the last year, which, again, is in the, the Good Be Hunting article. Um, but, you know, the best thing they can they can do is definitely to try and get on licenses. And if that's not possible, um, yeah, that's a really tough situation and, and we need to make sure we support them through it. Yeah. And also, you know, <clears throat> the, the, the thing, the ace that they have up their sleeve is that, they they are passionate people that are they're, they're your beer geeks they they know what they're selling whereas if you go in a supermarket the dude stacking the shelves he doesn't he doesn't give a monkeys about what what the beer is he doesn't understand he's got no comprehension of the beer he can't you can't talk to someone about beer in a supermarket um so there's always they're always going to have that that service that level of service that level of understanding that no supermarket is ever going to be able to replicate Hundred so percent. As you sort of journey down the path to discovering more about craft beer, you're gonna seek out people that know more than you do, and that are gonna be able to like you know tell you what you might like. Same same as going record shopping when you know I like this kind of music. They might say, "Oh, have you heard of this artist?" Well, you know you're gonna like these guys. Blah blah blah. And it's it's all the same. It's all about connecting passionate people with uh you know people that are, are in a service that, that know about it and that's that's what independence do so well 
This summer, I'm going to be hosting talks at the Manchester, Bristol and London craft beer festivals, giving festival goers the chance to attend tutored tastings, rare beer pours, meet the brewers and even guided tours of the bars. These three festivals are the highlights of my events calendar, featuring some of the world's best breweries with delicious restaurant pop-ups, great music and a really welcoming party atmosphere. It's the third year I've been hosting the We Are Beer Tastings table, but for the first time I'm delighted to offer all of our listeners, viewers and Patreons £5 off a ticket when you use the code CBC5. Just hit the link in the description to buy. See you there. Absolutely. So long may that continue um, and long may even the, the, the breweries that are in supermarkets continue to champion that, that point of difference. Um, so we've got a question this week. Uh, let me just dig it out. There it is. Uh, it's not a recorded question. It's an emailed question that comes from Zander, um, who's also a Patreon. This is Patreon fueled, more Patreon fueled oh, than ever. Great stuff. Um, so yeah, thanks for supporting us, Zander. Um, so the question for this week's podcast is, why do we only have major hop-growing regions in Germany, South England, Czechia, USA, and most recently New Zealand? Uh, why, for instance, is there no Belgian French hops when there's such a history of Belgian beer and likewise for the Baltic regions? Um, he also adds, uh, on an unrelated note, loving the Patreon forum. You can join the Patreon forum for $1 a month by going to patreon.com slash channel and you can hang out with Xander and, and us. Um, and about 250 other more interesting people, of course. Um, so, uh, it's a great question. Um, the, the, the really simple answer is, uh, we don't only have major hot growing regions in Germany, South England, Czechia, USA, and New Zealand. We've got them in South Africa. We've got them in Australia. We've got them in, you know, countries you said, um, earlier, Belgium and France have them. Uh, there's lots of hops being grown, um, Further east in Europe and indeed up into the Baltic states, uh, Slovenia in particular has quite a few hops. Um, the reason we don't really talk about that is because a lot of those varieties were grown for um, macro brewers. So yeah. they were the, the high alpha but lower flavoured or less interestingly flavoured hops. Um, and, and that's why we don't really talk about them. They're going into the big hops, uh, the, sorry, the big breweries, while the hops that we talk about that are grown in these other, I think probably fair to say more progressive beer countries are being grown more specifically with a premium, um, you know, with premium farmers and then for premium beer. But that said, there are some fantastic, you know, Belgium's kind of the exception to that. Why isn't, why don't we talk more about it? And I think that's just because Belgium doesn't really enjoy very hoppy beer. So again, they're growing a lot like in the UK, they're growing, you know, soft and subtle and, herbal and spicy and brambly fruity hops that add bitterness and just a little bit of character to their very yeast driven beers Mm. um so i mean generally like hops grow in sort of the temperate climate so certain latitudes around about where central europe comes a little bit north you know the slightly colder states of, of central europe and the same down there you know south africa the colder parts of australia new zealand obviously a very temperate climate and the pacific northwest in oregon and washington state you know that's that's where great hops are grown but i think there's even hops grown in like texas and stuff you know it's just and mexico of course has wild hops which have resulted in in talus so hops are absolutely freaking everywhere but great hops tend to spring up near the demand for those hops to some extent like you say they're they're absolutely everywhere i mean it'd be interesting if some of these lesser known countries that are growing hops 
if they were to suddenly go, hang on a minute, the Kima Valley, those guys are selling, you know, a pound of hops for X amount of money. Why don't we try and grow that hop and, uh, you know, sell it for a, for a better crop price? So I wonder, I, I don't know whether the terroir is, is suitable enough for those, those sort of like crazy new world um, massive hops that we, we've all come to, to know and love, if, if they could be grown in, in the, the sort of lesser known regions. But I wonder whether we'll reach a point where, you know, those sort of farmers that are not stuck, but they're kind of, they're, they're really tied to um, macro brewing processes, whether they might kind of wake up one day or, you know, their, their children might have a, like a side project where they suddenly start growing really exciting hops. I mean, that's already been happening for decades. Um, yeah. We already have UK Cascade. Mm-hmm. It tastes, smells, and you know, acts very differently to the, the Cascade plants grown in, in Cascadia. But, but that's definitely happening, and there's crossbreeding with Cascade and other hops happening all the time to produce new ones. But it takes a long, long time for you know, cross-pollination to happen for that hop to actually hit market like years and years and years of, of tests and of disease resistance tests and of flavor tests and of all of this before they really hit the market. But if you ever see um, see a beer that's got a hop in it that's called HBC, um, that that will mean it's an experimental hop. It hasn't been given a name yet and they're putting it out to certain breweries to give it, give it a little go and it'll have a number next to it. But yeah, um, I mean, that's... Lots of farmers are now diversifying a little bit. Um, and also, you know, these hops that are grown or were grown uh, purely for the big guys, you know, there's a little bit of interest in bringing those hops back. So when we went to Hukin's Hops down in Kent and talked mostly about uh, Fuggle, um, there's also uh, Bullion is grown down there. And Bullion was famously used in Guinness. Um, and it stopped being used in Guinness because it wasn't high alpha enough. And I think it's even it was even replaced by a Slovenian hop. Um but now they're growing bullion again because it tastes like orange peel. So if you use it in a different way, you get completely different characteristics. So uh, Five Points have definitely done I think they released a beer called Gold, called Bullion, and it, the label was gold. Um, and yeah, so I mean, there's so much experimentation and so many hops that we thought were shit being used in different ways, suddenly being really exciting. And if they're not, you know, the UK's growing Cascade now because they want to get in on that. So there's loads of of exciting stuff that's happening mixing up between the regions but you know there are kind of limits you know maybe we never will see a a french cascade because cascade doesn't suit the climate or something like that yeah yeah it's exciting stuff isn't it yeah i mean it's so exciting that you know the same's happening in malt um there's there's maltings that are bringing out what are called sort of heritage malts so malts that haven't been grown for a long time because they were hugely inefficient or the flavors weren't trendy uh, for today's market and stuff like that so the same's happening in in malt and in yeast as we discovered when we went to Lalamond, you know they're they're discovering new yeasts and working with breweries all the time and you know that's where a lot of the innovation is coming from in beer rather than the brewers coming up with clever ideas it's it's the people providing the ingredients supplying them with new flavors they can play with yeah yeah, it's amazing. I think that's, that's the thing we sometimes underestimate is the the kind of uh, industry and the farming practices that are, uh, you know, these exciting beers are only around because of all this development that's kind of like going on throughout the world in, in various forms, whether they be in labs or whether they're sort of cross, you know, uh, variants of different hops in, in 
test fields and all this kind of stuff. So, I mean, we I'd love to cover more more things like that about the kind of technology uh, that goes behind the ingredients of beer. I think that'd be super cool. Yeah, I mean, it's been on our list for a long time, hasn't it? We were we were hoping to go out to the US for the hop harvest in in 2020, but we all know what happened. And so, hopefully, hopefully, in the next year or two, we'll be able to to visit these places at these important times and chat to the people that are doing doing God's work in uh, in the scientific side of, of producing these these beers. Um, so, right, that's all we've got time for this week. The only thing to add is that we have now confirmed our next live show. It's happening on Friday the 14th of May on YouTube, and it is with the one, the only Omnipolo. Amazing. So we will be joining um, joining the founders at the Church of Omnipolo, which is their first brewery, and tasting some of the first beers to come out of that brewery, you know, the first Omnipolo beers that aren't contract brewed. So that's going to be dead exciting. Um, and Virtually you know, they are joining them, Johnny. Virtually, virtually joining them, them, of course. Sadly. Yeah. Sadly. Yeah. Um, but they're going to give us a tour of the brewery while we're there. And uh, having chatted to them quite a lot before, they're really interesting, really engaging people, have so many great views on, you know, using beer as art and, and beer's place in the world and why they experiment so so wildly with what they do and why they have so much fun with the kind of the culture of beer. So it's going to be a really great night. Don't just expect silly beers. Expect, you know, some really insightful thoughts on on the future of, of beer. Um the boxes are not live yet. They are going out to bottle shops all over the country and then we will list those places you can go buy them and support your independent bottle shop and it will also be available from beer merchants shortly after that um, and we'll point you to that when it's there as well. But 14th of May, 7.30 is the time and the date to stick in your diary. Fantastic. I'm off for a risky boy, Johnny. I don't know about you. <laughs> it's Friday, mate. I, I it's might indulge in risky. some risky boys. <laughs> <laughs> The Bubble Podcast is brought to you by the nerds behind YouTube's Craft Beer Channel. Head to youtube.com slash the Craft Beer Channel to watch this week's video and over 400 more exciting episodes. If you love what we do, please, please, please do subscribe and even join our Patreon at patreon.com slash craft beer channel. Love and beer. <laughs> <laughs>